Hello. <laughs> we are the real real. We are the real so, real podcast. Something real. Ahoy. Yes, ahoy indeed. And ahoy so, again to everyone who's been watching so us. So how for five was Disney? It's good. How was how was Ratatouille? I already told you how right it too. It was. Would you like me to tell everyone else how much it was? Disney was good. It was hot. Um, and there were a lot. You know what? Of it wasn't hot here in Michigan. I heard. In I would February expect that. In March. I would expect that. Honestly, when we got back to. I said February because I forgot we're in March. We're in March. Um, when we got to O'Hare, when we were coming home, like, you know, when you're walking, you're stepping off the plane into that long haul thing. Mm. I don't know what it's called. I don't fly enough to know what it's that's called. It's a long called. haul thing. A long haul. Yep. You fe- I felt like a wisp of cold air outside, and I was like, oh. it was fantastic. <laughs> but no, it was it's pretty bad when O'Hare seems less crowded than the park. That you no, not even that. It was so. not even the crowds, just the cold air. Yeah. I missed the I missed the cold. Like I feel like I could breathe better. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a Michigan person. Even I can't breathe right now at all, though. So I have a cold. But no, Disney was good. Um, it was. It's not the Rona. It's not the Rona. Does that still exist? Um, uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, I distracted you. You distracted me with the Rona. I have brain Rona. Um, it was quite the experience to see it through the eyes of a four-year-old, which was what I was looking forward Disney to. Disney through the eyes of yes. a four-year-old, yes. or hot weather? <laughs> no, Disney. Yeah. He did not like the hot weather. He is my child. <laughs> he said, "Mommy, I'm a little bit hot." How did he like the food? He liked the food. Because I'm sure child. Disney has uh, a few less Mickey ice cream bars than they did. That child ate more breakfast foods than I've ever seen in my life. My mom even said, he eats a hearty meal at breakfast. Like, well, he's his great-grandfather. Um, <laughs> no, the food was pretty good. The food was expensive. Everything was expensive. Um, recommendations, Ratatouille ride, uh, the Pandora ride. That's the Avatar That's one. That's the Avatar ride, yeah. But Animal Animal Kingdom, easily, I never thought this before, but easily is my favorite park now. That's what uh, I think Ricky and Courtney said too. It's, it's the most pleasant environment. Everything is covered in shade. I feel so like it was overlooked about, for a long time. It was. It was I like even overlooked hot, it. You know, in the post Jungle Book kind of thing. Right. Or, and, and when it first came up, but it was like people didn't really. I loved it. It was my, that was my favorite day, was the day we spent in Animal Kingdom. Everything is covered in trees. It's so it's, like, it's just like very pleasant. It's a nice environment. There's music everywhere playing. I liked all the different villages. It's it, I think it doesn't have as many rides, I guess, as Magic Kingdom or whatever, but I didn't mm-hmm. care. I liked walking around or whatever. Um, things to avoid. Uh, what are, what's overrated there? Travel sickness on Travel the plane. Travel sickness. My son got very sick on the way there and uh, threw up on me several times, which was a real treat. Um yeah, on that. No mosquitoes at Disney. No mosquitoes. We looked up a lot of information about why there are why there are and are not certain things at Disney. Pretty pretty good planning going on there. They use snakes to get rid of certain bugs, and they use ladybugs to get rid of other certain pests. And I understand they they um, strategically plan to make sure that there is no stagnant water anywhere. Correct. Where all water is moving. They also use cats to keep the mice away. Well, good. And there are constantly people cleaning up. Try like it's a very clean yeah. operation. Yeah, all the all the unpleasantness is hidden away behind right. and underneath, right. and everything else. So it's, I mean, it is a fantasy. It is an expensive fantasy, which is why, at least, it used to be the happiest place on earth. I did not see very many happy people, but I think that's <laughs> just the state of the world. Well, and- I saw a lot of crying children, um, a lot of 
angry parents. But I will say that's pretty. Funny. Last time I went was probably five, six Have you years. Ever been ago? to a child's birthday party? It's a More lot of tears yeah. that go on. I will say, and maybe I just wasn't paying attention as much as I did before. I went maybe last time five or six years ago, mm. and I thought every single parent that I saw was looking at their phone and so distracting their phone. I didn't see that this time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were people on their phones still, but it didn't seem as prominent as last time. People were actually paying attention to their kids. So well, good times. Well, anyway. there's a lot of – you only have a kind of a narrow window with that. And so, you know, like I enjoy it as an adult. Right. You know, or I would if I went back. You know, I, Well, like I, my sister – I loved it. I, 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 my favorite was Splash Mountain before they changed it when it still was Song of the South themed, which was – No, it is still. Oh, I thought they were changing. They it are too. changing it to Princess and the Frog oh, very okay. soon, so but it's still it's it still the same. Gotcha. Yeah. I thought it was already changed over. So I was like, we Which, have to. I'm like, we have to ride this because it's going to be the last yeah. time we so ride this. I I hate standing in line. I loved standing in line for that because I mm. I like the detail that yeah. they put into it. Disney yeah. is exceedingly detailed. So you get, you know, I don't know about all of the Six Flags parks, but but uh, you know, Six Flags used to have pretty good detail in, mm-hmm. in their stuff, but never at the level that you right. see at a, at a Disney right. where it, every tiny detail it's is well thought, thought through yeah. and monitored and uh, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. uh, when, when we were there, which has been, you know, forever ago now, um, just those were the things that, that I mm-hmm. dug mm-hmm. A, a lot. And so it, like the slow rides where you're, just going through and seeing displays, yeah, and historical things. Yeah. I usually annoy people because I go too slow and, and read things like that. So, anyhow, I always like the Hall of Presidents, and that still remains my, one of my favorite things. Nice, yeah. They do like a different video each time, and so I like it. I was <laughs> see the Joe Biden robot. To tell you how long ago it was that we went to Disneyland, which <laughs> who I think was I the president? I've never been there at that point. I actually liked it better because it was it's smaller, smaller, it's smaller right. scale. I liked it better at the time. You know, there. I don't want to in any way take away from Disneyland. I think Walt Disney's vision, regardless of whatever else you think about the company today and their moral stances and the, and so on, um, Walt Disney's vision for what he was trying to accomplish was brilliant and amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, it was it was so long ago that they had the Captain EO ride from nice. Michael Jackson. That nice. was the or like the first 4D ride thing that they was doing. So Very cool. it was an experience. It wasn't really a ride. It was, but. yeah. It was Anyhow. immersive. Anyway, good times. Glad to be back. It's always good to be back. It it, it's interesting to see just, you know, as, as you were talking about how much they plan it, how you strategically work and they put millions of dollars just into making sure that you don't see or experience anything unpleasant. Right. You want to remove the unpleasantness, right. the the realities right. of life. Right. You know that so that just like in the movies, or you know, nobody actually goes to the bathroom, or right. you know those kinds of things. So there's you know there's no trash, there's no litter, there's no mosquitoes, no, no backed mice, up no, toilets, yeah, no whatever, none of that, no right. smells other than food smell. You they know, pump you, you, in actual smells, right? Yeah. So they're they're really working right. to create an artificial atmosphere mm-hmm. to I heard remove the effects of being living in a fallen world, right. essentially. Well, so. we, like I said, we were doing some research over there, and Disney's original desire was to put the whole Disney World land under a big biodome yeah. to control the weather. Sure, but that wasn't, I guess, financially feasible. So, pretty amazing. Yeah, but in 
in actual life, we do deal with the reality right. of living in a fallen world, which presents problems for us as parents. That escalated quickly. How do we parent in not only in a fallen world, but how do we parent as fallen people mm. who have gotten things wrong? Not Disney characters. Not Disney characters. Not there's there's nobody writing a script for us. There's nobody uh, cleaning up our messes and pretending there's that not always going to be a happy happened. ending. Right. Within so, 90 minutes. You know, if you throw up at Disney World, it never happened. Right. <laughs> just somebody shows up and it just disappears. Magically goes away. But in real life, when your child is traveling on a plane eight times, you got to go deal with this stuff. Then he ate Chick-fil-A nuggets. <laughs> and that was a mistake because then I had Chick-fil-A nuggets all over my legs. That's just great. Good times. Uh, but as we're. Dealing with that, we need to recognize that, that as parents who are focused on our God-given responsibility of discipling our children, that if we're going to orient our, our parenting around discipleship, that we have to persevere in it right in the middle of the reality of sin and, and in the reality of God's mercy. And so when we're dealing with our own frailties, our own mistakes, the things before we were parents that leave a, a, a ripple effect or, or scars, we can't pretend those things didn't happen. We can't, right. we can't wallow in them, but we can't ignore them either. And, and we need to find, that's one of the things that, you know, I wanted to make sure that we dealt with this issue this past week um, before we finish the series and, and we'll wrap it up next week. But before we finish the series, I wanted to make sure we address what do we do? How do we handle it when everything goes wrong? We spend a lot of time talking about what we should be doing, what we're required to do, what God demands of us as parents. And if we if we don't get it right, well, now what? Right. Especially because none of us get it right. But if, you know, we talked about marriage being, you know, just foundational to discipleship-oriented parenting. Well, as a divorced mom, that could be pretty discouraging, right? You know, to, yeah. to, to say, okay, well, I screwed that up. Now, now what, you know, there's, is there no hope for me? Is there no, is there no future for this? Is my child just doomed to a life of despair because I messed up or because I, you know, maybe it's not that, a, 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 a you know, grand a scope. Maybe it's, you know, because I lost my temper or I have, you know, I have issues with these things uh, or maybe I was too, lenient with my child when they were young and now they're 10 or 12 years old and I'm dealing with the the backlash of that now what is it mm -hmm. is there no hope for us is there no hope for me as a parent is there no hope for my child and so we really want to make sure that we understand that discipleship oriented parenting perseveres in the reality of sin's cost and God's mercy and those two not really competing realities but but more complementary realities uh need to be part of our of our daily theology of our of our understanding of how life works um, because sin has a cost mm -hmm. and jesus paid for our sin but he did not then erase the reality of history right so right because uh and we looked at this in in the context of genesis 3 which was not specifically about parenting, but is about our dealing with sin's cost and about God's mercy. And so as we um, look at this as parents, you know, what do we do? How do, how do, we, 
how do we endure in this? And so uh, we, you know, we talked just to kind of recap where we've been at in the series, because I think this, I'm going to read these eight statements. I'm not even going to develop them. I'm just going to read them. If I start to develop, oh, you sure? I was going if to I say. start to develop, I'm watching. I know you. I know you. you. Oh, right you here, heard that? Because I, I will. We will embrace that violence. Um, okay. So the reason I want to do this is partly to make sure that people understand where we've been, right. but also so that we understand that hearing these things can be kind of damning to us. Sure. Like you know. Okay. So our best plans and, and efforts only matter if God's behind them. The primary purpose of parenting is to raise fully formed lovers of God. Discipleship-oriented parenting provides a biblical understanding of God. A parent's most effective discipleship tool is a life worth emulating. Parents who love their children prioritize discipline as a vital expression of love. And discipleship-oriented parenting builds a framework of Christ-like character. God's design for marriage is foundational to discipleship-oriented parenting. And discipleship-oriented parenting instills confidence by modeling God's unfailing love. So that's a pretty high standard. You know, sure. as we're looking at this stuff, if I have to make sure that all of these things are in place rightly and fully to be the parent that I need to be, what the heck? I'm done. Right. You know, forget about it. So with that in mind, we need to persevere. And we need to persevere in understanding that I can't escape the reality of sin's ongoing cost. So the penalty of sin is, is not just the curse, and, and Jesus takes away the, the punishment, that penalty of sin. But what he doesn't do is yet, he, he will when he returns, when he establishes his kingdom in the new heaven and new earth. But what he doesn't do is say, well, let's rewind and you get to start again. You don't start again. You know, we, we use those kinds of words in all sorts of things and movies and songs and Disney things. Uh, and we, and, and as Christians, we love to talk about this new start and, and forensically we do have a fresh start. We start as newborn babes, mm -hmm. but we don't start without the consequences of the reality of our choices. So, for example, um, you know, being divorced. If I repent of my sins and I give my life to Christ, I become a Christian or I'm already a Christian. And I, I you know, I say, OK, I'm going to do all this. You know, I'm going to focus everything on living for Christ. That doesn't make me suddenly married. Right. <laughs> and, it, and it doesn't make me suddenly not have this past history. Right. If I, you know, you know, I'm a an addict to whatever, smoking, drinking, whatever, that doesn't just go away magically. Right. I think we like to act like it does. I give my life to Christ and all of a sudden, all of my problems are gone. That's not how any of this works. That's not the reality. And then people are quick to and get God frustrated. Right. That. I was going to say people are quick to get frustrated. Like, well, see, it didn't do anything. Right. Yeah. And oh, so, I tried it. It right. didn't work for me. That's, that's because not, you didn't right. try right. reality. You don't right. You're looking for another reality. quick fix. And, and, and so, you know, if I, you know, raise my children in a certain direction. I'm, I'm going you know, <clears throat> down this path. And then, you know, we get to teenage years and I realize, man, I've been doing this wrong and I repent. And then I decide, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this right. As right. for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We're going to be a Christian home. Here are the new standards and all that kind of stuff. I, that doesn't undo the previous 15 years right. or however long, you know, and, and that happens. I've, I've been for two decades. I've been seeing this regularly. Whoa, whoa. 
I'll get a call from parents. My child's just, they're off the rails and everything's falling apart. Can, can you fix them? You know, uh, and I'm like, well, yeah, we'll, we'll have a talk, you know, and come in and, and we'll chat. And what they want is a conversation that's going to make right. 15 to 18 years of a particular direction just go away. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's going to be good. That's not how reality works. And if nothing else, Christ followers should be the most grounded in reality of all people. All truth is God's truth. God is ultimate reality. And so, you know, just as we've talked about with science and things before, Christians embrace science more and better than the rest of the world, including those who call themselves scientists, because we recognize the the reality behind it. We don't deny the evidence. We never deny the evidence if we are rational thinking Christians who are committed to the Lord. But we come to different conclusions because we have different presuppositions. In the same way, we don't deny the reality of everyday living. Mm-hmm. You know, we right now we're living in a time where Russia has invaded Ukraine, gas prices are skyrocketing, inflation is all over the place. And we can do a lot of things to complain about it. We can do things to change it. What we can't do is go back and make it not have happened. Right. Same thing in our parenting. So as we're looking at this, we, we looked at Genesis 3 where, where the fall of humanity comes in and sin enters the picture. Uh, and, and as we see this, we all know the story. I'm not going to take the time to read it because we're getting too close to the end of our time. And I, because we started spent the, too much time talking about Disney, we did. And because we started the videos and the, yeah, we and did. the, Here, uh, the... Uh, audio at different times, I don't actually know how much we got left. Oh, we're great. We're <laughs> in great shape. So anyway, so, uh, God creates everything out of nothing. He creates the man, uh, creates the man from the earth, creates the woman from the man. Uh, there's no sin. There's no shame. There's no uh, guilt or anything. They come to the to chapter three, and we have this interlope where the serpent comes, talks to the woman, twists what God says. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman kind of pulls it back, still gets it wrong. Says he, well. He, we can eat from the trees of the garden, but he did say you must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you'll die. That's not actually what he said. He said, don't eat from it. The touching it was kind of going above the line. We're going to add our human legalism to mm-hmm. it. And, you know, who knows? Maybe that's what Adam told her that right. God said uh, just to keep her away from it. Right. But in any case, um, that's that's not what, he, what we see. And the, the serpent then says, you know, well... Really, come on, God, God's holding back from you, you know, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. She sees that it's uh, good for food, pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom. So she takes some and eats it. She also gave some to her knuckleheaded husband. That's the zygratatorial version as we put that in there. She gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So we see already a breakdown on, on two levels. We see that that. Instead of listening to the voice of the Lord, we're listening to an interloper. We're, we're trusting something other than what God told us. That has never happened before in human history. It has happened constantly ever since. Right. You say knuckleheaded husband, but and we're and everybody's quick to be like, well, Adam and Eve did wrong. But you would have done the same thing. I would have done the same right, thing exactly. because we are human. Because <laughs> we're all knuckleheads right. you know, in, uh, when it comes to our rebellion against God. Right. And most of us will say, well, I have rebelled against God. When you... When you trust yourself, you trust your wisdom. When you do your thing instead of God's way, God's thing, all of this is 
wicked rebellion against our creator. And Literally, everybody does that. Every single person who has ever lived and as except for Jesus. And so as we're working through this, we see already before we even get to the the crux of it that Adam has abdicated his responsibility of spiritual leadership. Mm -hmm. We've talked about that previously that the primary difference in the jobs here is he was the one who was given the responsibility. She was coming along within that, not as, you know, a second class citizen, but but as uh, harmony to the melody, so to speak, as they're dealing with this. Just heard Chuck Swindoll say that, and I liked it, so I used it. Anyway. Um, At least you get credit. Well, no. Okay. Anyway, uh, as, we're, um, as we're looking at this, immediately when the sin happens, before God pronounces any judgment, immediately they start, you know, trying to cover themselves. Right. So now this knowledge that promised so much good delivered only bad before the Lord ever pronounces the curse. There's a consequence. The innocence is lost and the innocence cannot be returned. So they're trying to cover themselves with fig leaves so that I guess God won't know they're naked. Uh, but okay. for sure to cover their shame from one another. Um that self-consciousness that didn't exist previously as they were focused on one another and on the Lord. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to hide from God behind the trees that he made. <clears throat> Brilliant plan. But God shows up, calls them out, and the first thing they do is they blame each other. So right. the neg dominant negative emotions happened before he pronounces the curse as a consequence of not doing right of, of being outside of god's plan so we take ourselves out of what he had laid out and it's already bad then god says to them here's the curse you know and he you know curses the serpent um talks about in the very first part of the curse as he curses the serpent he's already talking about the messiah and the gospel mm -hmm. that that he's sending the serpent crusher and we've been looking forward to that up until christ and now we're looking forward to the return of the one who will ultimately and finally crush the serpent so uh, he speaks to them we see the increase in pain and childbearing um, the relationship between the husband and wife the dominance and resentment uh, we see adam Pardon me. Um, you know, now that what was a good godly uh, labor um, is now a painful toil. And, and so there's there's the curse and the consequence. But we also see in verse 21 that the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and, and his wife and clothed them. So what they tried to do in their insufficiency, God did. Right, right. Right. So now he, re, he this is the picture with this proto evangelion with the, the reference to to um, the serpent crusher and now also with um, God providing for them a covering for their shame. We see that God is initiating their redemption mm -hmm. already. And yet there's still a consequence to it in that they are put out of the garden right. and not allowed to return. So God redeems them, forgives them, provides for them, provides the Messiah who will come uh, millennia later to, to address sin ultimately. And yet you can't go back. There's right. a reality of that consequence. And so when we, when we sin against God, when we decide to trust our own understanding instead of his word, we reject his will. 
which causes us to receive sin's penalty. There's always a cost to sin. That's a reality that we cannot avoid. To think that we can do marriage wrong and still have the fairy tale that we always dreamed about, that's foolishness and delusional. To think that we can get that we can do marriage our way instead of God's way and yet receive God's blessings for it, it's delusional. That's not how it works. We do it God's way if we want God's blessing. And if we don't care about God's blessing, then well, then you get what you choose. And and the reality of sin's consequences come. So the cost of sin is the judgment of God, the curses that go along with that. And we see that in Deuteronomy 6. Uh, or not in Deuteronomy 6, but in the book of Deuteronomy following that. We see it in Exodus when uh, when God calls them to, to obey all the laws that he gives them. And if you do, I'll bless you and mm-hmm. this will happen. And if you don't, I will curse you. And all the things that, uh, that I'm doing to these people that I'm kicking out of the land, they come to you as well. We see it in Numbers. We see it in Leviticus. So God continually drills this dual reality of his loving kindness uh, his steadfast, uh, faithful compassion to his people, his mercy and his grace, uh, his initiating, redeeming love, and yet also the reality that, you know, your choices determine your destiny. Right. You know, if you're going to decide that you don't trust me to lead you into the promised land, then I'm still going to keep my promise, but it's going to have to be to your children, not to you. You're going to die in the desert. Let's go back into the wilderness We'll come back in 40 years. I'll bring your kids in. You know, if you're going to if you're going to follow uh, my commands, then we're going to see, as we see in the book of Joshua, victory upon victory. If you're going to do what's right in your eyes instead of following my word, well, then we're going to see loss after loss, like we see in the book of Judges. Mm-hmm. And the prophets throughout Israel's history keep calling them back uh, to, to uh, follow the Lord. He redeems his people. It's not because they're seeking him. It's because he's seeking them. And we see that even with our unfaithfulness, he he does that here in Genesis 3. He does that in our lives. When we repent, it's because God has granted us repentance. He's changed our hearts. It's not our effort. It has nothing to do with us. That's Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It's by grace we're saved through faith. And even the faith is not of ourselves. Uh, it's a gift of God, not of works. So there's no room for boasting. Uh, when we try, our efforts fall short like fig leaves to hide from God. Uh, but God's faithful, loving kindness leads us to uh, to repentance. And that's, you know, Paul says that in Romans 2, 4. It's his kindness that, that does that. He gives us a new heart in Ezekiel 36, 26. So repentance comes from God. So when we embrace the fact that God has redeemed us, that he's initiated it, that leads us to repentance. So then we choose to turn from our way to God's way. And there's a, a twofold part of that um, that that comes up. Our, our repentance is the changing of our mind, that mm-hmm. new mind, which leads to a change in direction, uh, which in the Old Testament in particular is, is uh, expressed to Israel in the term return to the Lord. So we repent and we return. And um, Lamentations 340 was our memory verse and talked about the idea that we are to examine our hearts, examine our ways, to test our ways and return to the Lord. And that's, that's the idea here of repenting and returning. Um, and when we do that, he restores his people to blessing. So as parents, 
we need to recognize God will restore blessing, but that doesn't mean that you everything know, else goes away. It doesn't just go away. Right. I still have to deal with the fallout of that. So how do we then, uh, how do we move forward? And the big thing is we have to make the determination to repent and return. Right. It's not, well, shoot, that messed up. I'll try another thing right. in my own understanding. Right. I have to live for Christ, understanding that not it's not going to make the consequences go away. My children, depending on their age, may not follow along with that. Right. The, that damage may have been done. But what I can do is start today to show that, to show my children the reality of God's mercy and the reality of sin's cost and be honest about it. Yep. I, this, what we are experiencing now is not God's best for us. Right because we chose a different way. Sometimes that's by you know being victimized by someone else's sin. Uh, sometimes it's uh, from our own sin. It's always involving sin and it's usually both you know victims are, are not innocent, even though they may not have caused what's going on, but we all carry our own sin before the Lord. Right. So just like in Philippians 3 uh, verse 12 to 16, we we can't dwell on the past. It doesn't help us. We have to press on. God has, has given us a path. He has given us life. He's given us a, if you will, a second chance, uh, a thousandth chance. Um, that doesn't mean we get to start over, but it does mean that life is ours by his grace. Right. And as we embrace that, instead of lamenting the past and living there, God gets to see, uh, our children get to see God through us. I have many questions, but we're totally out of time. Maybe we should do a second episode on this. We should. But uh, we will stop there for now. If you guys have any questions Probably or comments, but we should. you know what to do. I don't have time to list all the things. But uh, you can send us an email at somethingreallyatreallifeonline.org, Facebook, YouTube, all that jazz. And uh, yeah, this next week is the end of our parenting series. So if you have any questions, get them in now, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>